All right, well, if you want to turn in your Bible to one verse, like if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, I'm going to be in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It'll be on the screen as well, but if you want to mark it in your Bible, you're not familiar with that verse, or you're like, what in the world is that? It's the last book in your Bible. It's chapter 3, it's verse 20, and that'll be the one that I read. Now, let me tell you where we are going over the next four weeks. I kind of want to do a uh, series introduction for you um, you can kind of see open door so everything over the next four weeks is going to be about open door and it's based on this scripture which we'll read in just a moment but let me tell you kind of what we're going to do over the next four weeks everything is about what we are as a church who we are as a church and what we do as a church and so for me i'm going to say to you it's very important uh, i want you to be here i hope you can be here we're going to record all these if you miss any but i really want you to be here for it because uh, over these next few weeks i'm going to just dig into to what it's about to be a part of this congregation this church okay and i'm doing all of that under the banner of open door which comes from the the concept of revelation 320 which we'll read in just a moment so today what i'll cover are really the house rules and I'm just kind of doing this in a real uh, comfortable, laid-back way. We'll do house rules this week. Next week, when you come back, we'll do house values. So house rules are, are kind of the things we actually do, the behaviors, the things you see from us. Behind that are the values, kind of the, the things that motivate us to do those things. And then the third week, we'll do house mission. And that's taking a step back even further and thinking about what Jesus put us here to do. So that's house mission. And then the last week, we'll do uh, house hope because Jesus... Jesus is the one who gives us all the hope. And so you can kind of see the, the direction it's going. It starts with the hope we have in Jesus Christ. He gave us a mission. Because we have a mission, we have certain things that we value. And because of that, there are certain things that we actually do. There are kind of unwritten rules that we follow, things that, that affect our behavior and the things that happen when we get together as a group. And so I'm doing that in that order. So I'm starting with the, the things you can see the most, which are the, the actual behaviors and things we do. And I'm working my way back to the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're doing for the whole um, series of Open Door. Now, I think we have the scripture. This is Revelation 3.20. I want to read this, and I want us to pray together because I'll, I'm going to read other scripture as well over this series, but I'm going to read this one every single week. So if you have been in the study of Revelation with us, you know that Revelation 2 and 3, it's a series of letters that Jesus wrote to the churches. He wrote to seven churches. In other words, it's like Jesus sat down with his secretary and said, okay, here's what I want you to say. And they wrote out a letter, and that letter got sent to the churches, and they could read them. Well, the very last letter is the church at Laodicea, and Jesus had some things to say to them because they had some real problems. I don't know, did you know this? Churches sometimes have problems. Yeah. yeah, okay. So this church had some problems, and Jesus had some real strong things to say to them. And then at the end, this is what he said. It's Revelation 3.20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's on the outside. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Let's pause here and pray. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you because you never give up on us. And even in the church at Laodicea, with all of the problems they had, with all of the, the, the lukewarm behavior and, and just lukewarm action, you still came to them and gave them this opportunity. Mm -hmm. You knock on the door. You want us to open the door. 
And so as we think of these things today and over the next few weeks, give us wisdom, give us understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So every week that we've been meeting together, someone in some way or another has said to me, well, what can I do to help? I love that question. I love, this is a pastor, you know, speaking for, you know, a couple decades of doing this. And I can tell you that there have been many, many Sundays when I've gone to a church service and no one says anything close to, what can I do to help? Nothing. And so it's kind of sad. But here it's different. There's not a week that goes by that someone doesn't show up and in their own way, maybe they use those exact words, maybe they use different words, but they, they show up and they say, what can I do to help? All right, so I'm going to tell everybody, like, even if you're not asking that question, I'm going to give you the answer to that question now. What can I do to help? What can you do as a part of this church that makes a difference now? Okay, here's the first thing you can do. You already know the answer, right? Pray. That's the first thing you can do. I'm going to talk more about prayer in a little while, but I'll, first and foremost, I would say if you want to be a help to this local church, start with prayer. Pray for us every day. Pray for us as a group. Pray for us as a church. Pray for the people who make up this church and all the places they're going to be on Monday and all the places they'll scatter out to on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. I mean, all those places. Ask God to work through their lives to share His love, His kindness with other people because what we do here is so important, but what you do when you leave here is also extremely important because you take Jesus Christ with you everywhere you go. That's why it's so important. So pray. Pray for the church. Pray for every person. Uh, you know, so many of you know this. You, you, you've been believers for a long time. You've read the Scripture. You know that spiritually speaking, there are so many things that happen that are invisible, that are just warlike. And the way we deal with those things is through prayer. So if you want to make a difference, if you want to help this congregation, if you want to be part of it and see it move forward and honor Christ, then start there with prayer. Second thing you can do is talk up your church. I said this was going to be real practical, right? That's about as practical as it gets. Just talk up your church. You know, the things we're doing, the places that we go, uh, the, what we do on Sunday morning, what we do on Wednesday nights, when we have special events, all those kinds of things. Just talk that up to people. And so when you're with, with your friends or coworkers or whatever, just work it into the conversation. People will, they'll ask or they'll want to know or they just will be bored and won't do anything else but listen to you. So just talk up your church. Just talk about those things. That's how people know about it. You may know this. Nearly everyone who joins a local church does so because someone they knew, someone that they considered at least an acquaintance or friend, invited them. Almost everyone. I mean, studies have been done on that. There are some people who just wander in the door. I mean, not here. Nobody just wanders in the door here. Nobody just happens to accidentally see cars at the Harris Center and said, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. Could that be a church? Let me go check it out. That's not what happens to us. So if you're here today, it's because someone told you, someone let you know, or you're connected to us on social media or something like that. That's how you knew about this gathering. And, and that's the way it will be for other people that come in in the future. They will hear from you. They'll get an invitation from you. They'll hear you talking about your church. And, and you know, you just invite people. And that's how you do it. You talk up your church. Third way, if you want to be a help now, it's give. And for those of you who've been following Christ for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. We've got a lot of words we use for this. A long time ago, we called it tithing. Uh, we call it giving. I love to use the word stewardship because that's the idea that God owns everything, right? Everything you have, everything ultimately belongs to God. Everything. And so you are a steward of it. That means that God placed it in your hands and you get to do something with that. And so what I would say to you is the Bible teaches, take whatever God's put in your hands and use it in a way to honor Him. We're going to take up an offering in a little while. 
Actually, there's already stuff in the offering plate. We, don't we have the coolest offering plates ever? They came from Ikea. No other church I know of has offering plates from Ikea. That's just a little side note for y'all. We're going to take up an offering at the end of this service, just like we always do. Only God can take something as plain as money and turn it into something spiritual that lasts forever. Only God can do that. I mean, only God can take one of these dollars or a five or whatever it is or a check. Only God can take that and somehow bring something out of that that makes a difference in someone's life and really lasts forever. That's, that's God. And so I just want to encourage you to give. Uh, I can tell you some of the things that are coming up, things that we're just going to have to pay for as a group, things we want to pay for as a group. Uh, we're going into summer. We're going to do vacation Bible school. You know, that's going to cost more than what we, you know, normally have. Uh, we're going to do summer camp for our students. You know, we got a retreat center that holds 48 people. We're going to try our best to fill that place up, uh, adults and students, and, and it's going to cost. I mean, it's just part of it. But the way I look at that is it is an investment in the lives of people. Uh, there are students in this room today that could give you stories and testimonies of what camp was, was for them last year, okay? And, and it'll be the same thing this year as well. Uh, we've got other things going on this summer, and all of it eventually costs something. Uh, so I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to think about that. I'm going to ask you to pray about that. If you're giving now at this level, I'm going to ask you to give a little more for the summer because our expenses will go up. What normally happens in churches in the summer is expenses go up, and because people do vacations and trips and are off work and other things, sometimes attendance dips a little bit. So expenses go up, attendance drops off a little bit. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be. And so I'm going to ask you to pray and to give and to give a little extra so we can pay for these things that we want to do, that we can do these ministries. I have always said, every church I've ever served, whatever God wants us to do, He'll give us the money to pay for it. I believe that. Absolutely. Everything we're supposed to do, He'll give us the money to pay for it. And primarily, He does that through His people. So just, just think about it, just pray about it, just give, and, and then we're going to take it from there and do those ministries. If you want to make a difference now, if you want to help now, that's one of the ways you do it, through giving. And then the last one I would share with you is serve. And you're going to hear more about serve in just a little while, but I do not want you to walk in the door week after week and just think of, hey, I'm here to just sit and soak it up. Y'all are great people. I don't want you to think like that. I want you to think in terms of, of serving. I want you to think in terms of there's something for you to do, some way for you to plug in, some way for you to help. Um, near where I live, City Middle School has a church that meets there, and it's Reverb Church. Anybody heard of Reverb, Reverb Church? Okay, some do, some don't. All right, Reverb Church, we had to go by. Michelle left something in her class. Can y'all believe that? She's not in here, is she? Y'all can tell her I said that. She left something in her class, so we had to go by and pick it up at the school before we came here, okay? So we get there early, and the, the reason we knew we could get in is Reverb Church meets there early. They, they get there, Those folks get there at 6 o'clock. I know. We, you thought 9 was bad, right? <laughs> get here at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. They get there at 6 o'clock. So we come rolling in about 8 o'clock that morning, maybe 7.45, and uh, Michelle's going to run in her classroom, and I'm just kind of sitting in the car and looking at the people getting ready. They've already got signs out at the road. They've got signs, you know, there to kind of welcome people when they come in. And this is the one that caught my eye. There was a guy. I don't know anything other. He's just a guy. And he's at the door, on the outside of the door of the school. He's got a cloth, and he's going over the, the door frame, cleaning it. They have people to do that, right? 
They pay people to do that. But here's this guy with Reverb Church. He's got his cloth. He's cleaning the dust off of the door frame before people get there for church. That's somebody who found something to do. Like, you don't, you don't have to do that. You, you can skip that. No one will care. No one's going to ask, right, Justin? No one's going to care if you don't wipe the dust frame, the frame, the dust off the frame. Nobody cares. But that's what he's doing. Now, I'm going to say something else about that guy that I have no other thing other than this is just my opinion. People like that, they have a, what the Bible calls a spiritual gift of service. They're not just serving because they know it's a good idea. They're not just serving because their pastor said they probably should. That's someone whose heart's in it, and they'll look around, and if they can't find something else to do, they'll make something up. That's what they'll do. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you want church, the experience of attending with a group of people, if you want that, if you want that to be meaningful to you, find a way to serve. Find a way to plug in. You'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. But those are the four that I wanted to share with you. What can you do right now to make a difference and to help as part of this church? Those are the four things. Now, let me go through the house rules. Again, Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I want you to open the door. Jesus said that to a church. The reason that's so important is because it's got an awful idea behind it. The awful idea is that you could have a group of people that call themselves a church and Jesus is on the outside. Like, he's, he's out there. They've locked him out. They, they didn't open the door for him. And, and it's true. I mean, Justin wrote a paper that kind of dealt with this. I hope I get to read the whole thing this week. But Justin just wrote a paper that kind of deals with this topic, this idea that you can, you can show up, you can call yourself a church, you can go through all the motions, you can do all the things, and Jesus had nothing to do with it. He can be outside. Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I'm outside. I'm at the door. I'm knocking. If you'll open the door, I'll come in. We'll sit down. We'll have a meal together. We'll, we'll fellowship together. We will be together. That's what Jesus is saying. So open door. So how do we get to the open door? And how do we do that for everyone that walks in the doors here? Not just for us who are here most every week, but when someone new walks in the door, how do we help hold that door open for them? How do we help introduce them to Jesus? That's what I'm going to talk about, and that's what I'm going to give you today. Number one, this is it. House rule, number one, no one sits alone. No one sits alone. Now, I know after the kids leave, it kind of gets spaced out different in here. <laughs> you know. But that's the, so here's what I'm getting at. You come in, you get breakfast, you get coffee, whatever, you're having fun, you got to go to the bathroom, you're hurrying back. I mean, it's, it's just kind of, you know, people scattered everywhere early in the morning before we start singing and doing those things. But when you get here, look around. Make sure no one sits alone. No one. If you see someone sitting alone, you spot them first, okay, that's your person. Don't go find somebody, hey, they're sitting alone, will you help them? Don't do that. If you see them first, that's your person, okay? That's your guy. That's your girl. You go find them. You may have to leave the people that you like to sit with. Like, you know, you normally sit here. Look, y'all know I never get to sit with Michelle in church? Ever. Maybe once a year, something like that happens. So, and she kind of complains about that. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? I can't preach from the seat. You know? I can't do that. All right? but, but you may have to leave the person you would like to sit with, that you normally sit with, the habit that you, know, you have. You may have to leave all of that to go sit with someone that you saw. They came in, and they're sitting by themselves. So just make sure no one sits alone. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Y'all saw that? That was great. No one sits alone. Just, 
I want you to embrace that rule, okay? I want you to embrace that rule. And when people come in, just look around, see where they are. I know there are a few people, and they want to sit alone, right? So don't creep anybody out, all right? I, I, I'm just, I don't want you to do that. If you go and you sit, you know, too close to them, like the seat right next, and they get up and move, you're off the hook. Right? You don't have to stay. Like, you went over, you tried, they moved. You're like, okay, it's someone else's deal. You did, you did the thing. You did it, all right? My friend Bruce that I talk about from time to time, he's in heaven now. What I'll never forget about Bruce is the first time I walked in church, that guy spotted me, came over like six foot four guy, came over, put his arm around me, which was weird, and just, and just said, man, I'm glad you're here. That's all. That's all. But it meant the world to me. And it, it was the beginning of a friendship that lasted, you know, it'll last into eternity. I don't get to see him now, but we'll pick it up again later. But it started there. It started with Bruce just making me feel welcome. Uh, I've often told people that my cousin Frankie was the one responsible for bringing me to church when I was about 12 years old. And uh, I don't know why he picked on me, you know, I don't know, but he, he wanted to bring me to church, and he talked his parents into coming to pick me up, and so they drove out of their way, picked me up, and brought me to church. But when we got to church, he didn't leave me either. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't know anybody. I thought it was weird. When you're 12, everyone else is weird. You're the weird one. You don't know. But you think everyone else is weird. And so, you know, it's awkward. And so we go to this church, and I don't know anybody, but, but he's my cousin, and, he's, and, and I rode with him, and he just stayed with me. And that helped me feel welcome. And that made a difference. Eventually, though, I met Michelle. And then I sat with her as much as I could get away with it. I'm really glad I did because I don't get to sit with her anymore. But back then I did. And, and you know, I'm just kind of walking you through stages of things that happened to me. This is, this is the way I felt welcome. I, I didn't walk into a church and look around and say, nobody spoke to me, nobody said hello, no one sat near me. I didn't have that experience. And so that's what I'm saying to you. No one sits alone. Just don't let that happen. I can't go sit with them. I've got to be up here. So you find them and sit with them. All right, number two. Everyone, that's the key word, everyone is welcome. When it comes to worship and the gathering together of God's people for us to pray, for us to read the Bible, for us to talk about what Jesus offers to everyone in the world, everyone is welcome. Now, if you look around this room and you decide everybody here is kind of like me, they're at least in the ballpark, you know, they, they kind of believe like me, they, you know, we all kind of live in the same area, we're, we're really the same culture, we have sort of the same morals and beliefs and things like that, and, and you feel comfortable with that, okay? But I'm telling you, if someone else was here, or if you are one of those someone else's, everyone is welcome. When they come in the door, it doesn't matter if they believe like us or not. It doesn't matter if they practice what we practice. It doesn't matter if they live a lifestyle that, that you would say, well, that's just not right. It doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome to come to worship. Everyone is welcome to be introduced, to have the door held open and say, you know that guy? That's Jesus. That's, that's who we're here. That's who we're here to see. That's here, who we're here to talk to. Everyone is welcome. Even if they're different from you, listen, even if they deny God, even if they say, I don't believe in God, I'm just here because my friend said, y'all have good breakfast. Which, by the way, 
I've had people say to me, like I, there was a guy for years that attended church, and I just never knew this about him. I just thought, you know, he's one of those quiet people, and he comes to church, and, and you know, he doesn't do much else. And I got to talk to him. He said, no, I don't believe in God. I just go because my mom wanted me to go. Like she needed a ride. She wanted me to go to church with her, so I just bring my mom to church. I don't believe in God. That's what he said. Everyone is welcome. Which, let me just throw this in because this is a good place to say it. You can't make anybody believe anyway. Doesn't matter how much you say to them. Doesn't matter how much you care about them. Doesn't matter how much you love them. Doesn't matter how well you explain the Bible. You cannot make any person believe. How does that happen? It's a work of God, isn't it? It's God's Spirit that makes a person believe. Because when I tell people, there was a guy 2,000 years ago, his name was Jesus, probably read about him. He died on the cross. They put him in the grave. Three days later, he came back to life. He's back. He stayed around for 40 days, talked to the people that believed in him, taught them some things, and then he just ascended right up into the sky back to heaven. And we, as his followers, still talk to him today. Can you hear how weird that sounds? Okay, I can't make anybody believe that. I mean, they're just like, I saw a movie about that. You can't make anyone believe it. You can't do it. They will never know he's real unless he makes himself real to them. So when someone walks in the door, they live a different lifestyle, they believe different things, or they don't believe anything at all, everyone is welcome. May we learn, may we learn, that God loves the sinner as much as He loves the saint. Right? The only difference between the saints and the ain'ts, only difference between the two, is one's received the grace of God and one hasn't yet. That's the only difference. So if you're here today and you are a believer, you are, you are on the receiving side of the grace of God. You used to be in that theological category called a sinner. You're still a sinner, by the way. You used to be over there, but now you've moved over. Now you can rightfully be called a saint. And, and the only difference is the grace of God. He made you believe. He gave you His grace. And you just said yes to Him. That's what you did. So when people come in or when you meet people, when you're talking to people about Christ or things of the Bible or your church or anything, just know everyone is welcome. Number three, everyone is prayed over. I'm going to tell you a secret. So if you're not, um, if you're not around here a lot and you don't talk to people a lot about what goes on, I'm going to tell you this is, this is our secret. You ready for this? Every single person has been prayed for before they ever got here. Some of you, you were prayed for every single day this week before you got here. Some of you were prayed for last night. But every single person has been prayed for. Some of you are being prayed for right now. It's just part of the service. It's part of what we do as God's people. Here's what we believe. We believe that God brings change in the world through prayer. Did you catch that? Could God change things in the world without prayer? Sure, He's God. He can do anything. But what God has chosen to do is to work through His people, through the prayers of His people, to bring about change in the world. That's how God's chosen to do it. So we believe that. And we pray. So everyone is prayed for. Now, Jesus Himself, when He walked this earth, prayed for you. I don't know if you know that. I'm going to read you the verse. And we don't have it on the screen, so just you know, write down the reference, look it up for yourself, read it for yourself. But it's in John chapter 17, verse 20. This is what Jesus prayed. He was praying to His Father. He said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, those that were right there with Him, but for those who will believe in Me 
through their word. That's you. So before Jesus was, was arrested, before he was taken to be crucified, he was having a little prayer meeting with his disciples and he was praying for them. And then he prayed for those who would believe in him through their word. Please know there is an unbroken line. An unbroken line from the time of Jesus to this very moment of people that have heard and believed the gospel person to person to person to person. It didn't happen any other way. There's an unbroken line of the gospel. And someone shared that with you. God worked through someone to get to you. I've told people before that my family, the ones I knew about, you know, the ones that I kind of knew, I, I'm just going to use the term, okay? I thought they were all pagans. Y'all know about pagans? You know what a pagan is? Some people are like, I don't know, is that a new thing? Pagan. When I use the word pagan, I'm just talking about people that had, you know, they didn't go to church, they didn't care about church, they, didn't, they don't know anything about God. You know, you couldn't find a Bible in their home if you looked for it. I mean, just, that's what I thought it was true of my family because everyone I knew, that's kind of how they were. So I just thought, this is my family. You know, we're just a bunch of pagans. That's what we are. I did not know until I started you know, looking and, and asking some questions and talking to people before they died and things like that, that, uh, that if you back up another generation and two, all of a sudden there are a lot of believers in my family, a lot of preachers in my family. Two things in my family, preachers and alcoholics. Have y'all ever noticed those go together? <laughs> it's like you go one way or the other. You know, you're going to be a preacher, you're going to be a drug addict. What is it going to be? That just happens in a lot of families. That was my family. So the ones I knew kind of went to the alcohol side. But if you back up a generation, that's where the, the spiritual people were. And here's what I'm getting at. You just, and this is what I wonder. Like when, you, when they were at that generation, were they praying for their kids? Were they praying for their grandkids? Were they praying for the generation that wasn't born yet? Were they already doing that? I have to think they were. Because don't you? I mean, parents, grandparents, don't you pray about that? Don't you pray? I mean, I, I mentioned Bruce. Bruce's wife, Linda, um, has a daughter. And her daughter just got engaged. And one thing I know about Linda is she's been praying for the guy that her daughter would one day marry for years. That's what I know about Linda. She didn't know who the guy was, didn't know his name or any of those things. She's been praying for this guy for years. So you know how Linda would be. She's taking that the next step. She's already praying for future generations of her family. That's what she does. And so that's how I think about it. That's how I think about it. So again, everyone is prayed over. Now, number four, everyone has something to do. Do you like acronyms? I'm going to give you an acronym. It's just GOT, G-O-T, GOT, what you got, okay? This is the acronym. This is the way you understand it. Everyone has something to do. Everyone has gifts, opportunity, and time. Everyone. You have certain gifts that came to you from God. You have opportunity to use those gifts and resources, and you have the time to do it. Everyone. So what you got? That's what I'm saying to you. What you got? All right. Everyone has something to do. I mentioned the guy earlier. You know, we're here at 9 o'clock. There was some guy over at Pasetti probably at 6, 6.30. He was still cleaning the floor, probably cleaning the doors, wiping the windows, all those kinds of things. I mean, you know, looking for his way to do something. There were people in this room this morning at 9 o'clock setting up chairs, moving tables, getting all this stuff ready. You know, by 9.30, we're starting to sing up here. There are people back there setting up the tables and bringing in food. Right now, this very moment, there are people over in the gym and they're doing things with the kids. I mean, just, you know, people find their place. And that's what I'm saying to you. 
What are your gifts? What are the opportunities being put in front of you in the time that you have? Find your place because everyone has something to do. You'll hear me say this next week and probably a lot thereafter, but what we're thinking about is being contributors, not consumers. That's the difference. When you, when you gather with your faith family, you want to gather not to, to, to be just a consumer of a product out there, but to be someone who contributes to the worship, someone who contributes to the good of the group. That's what we're talking about. Be a contributor, not just a consumer. Because everyone has something to do, and that's what makes the difference in it. Now, the first thing I was ever given to do in a church, they, um, they let me run a soundboard. Yeah, you're supposed to know something about soundboards, but they were desperate, and they, were, they didn't have a way to do it, and so here I was. Why are people looking at you, Ross? <laughs> Ross is skilled over here <laughs> to do what he does, but that's the first thing they ever gave me to do, and uh, I was running it for a choir. I mean, there was a choir and solo mics and everything, and I'm like, what do I turn, you know? It was cassette tape days. Y'all remember that? Cassette tapes, I get it. Start the tape, stop the tape. It wasn't hard. But that was the first thing I had to do. Here's my point, though. It changed the way I looked at going to church because I wasn't going just to sit there and listen. I was going to help and to do something and be a part of it. And that's what made all the difference, contributing in that way. And even though I look back on it, I go, hey, it was just it was a great place to start. It was a good thing to do. But it was, it was the way it changed my perspective of, of participating and being part of the faith family. I wouldn't have used those words back then, but that's what it did for me. So again, everyone has something to do. Number five, it's my favorite one, show up prepared. It sounds scary when I say it that way, but, but that's what I'm getting at. If you, if, you, if you want this, if you want to hold the door open, if you want to have Jesus not outside but inside, part of what we do as a group is we show up prepared. We show up ready to go. Worship on Sunday morning, I love to tell people this, started on Saturday night. Worship on Sunday morning started on Saturday night. Because think about what the opposite could be, okay? You run yourself ragged on Saturday. You stay out late on Saturday night. You get to bed late. You're doing whatever. I mean, your mind's not on God or anything spiritual whatsoever. And then you get a few hours sleep and the alarm clock goes off and you're supposed to show up with your faith family and worship and, and have your mind right. Right? That, that's what I'm trying to say. That worship on Sunday morning, if that's when we're going to do it, like we do now, it really starts on Saturday night. It really does. It makes a huge difference. Okay, no spoilers, I promise, but I went to see Avengers, uh, the Avengers movie on Friday night. Worst ending of a movie ever. That's all i got to say about that. Worst ending of a movie ever. I woke up Saturday morning, morning thinking about that. Now, what if I'd seen the movie on Saturday night? I would have woke up on Sunday morning thinking worst movie ending ever. Which, by the way, if you want to go see the movie, I'm not saying don't go see it. I just didn't like the ending. That's all I'm saying. But again, I slept on it, and I woke up the next day, and I still thought about it. So I'm glad I saw it on Friday, got that over with on Saturday. When I woke up this morning, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about something better. Something better. That's what I'm trying to say to you. It makes a difference what you do Saturday night if you're going to gather together for worship on Sunday morning. It makes a difference. Let me give you something real quick. Uh, they're, all, they're all R's, all right? I don't think I have a slide on this, but here are the three. Uh, if you want, to, you want to do this, you want to show up prepared, make sure you get some rest on Saturday night. If you want to help yourself, do a little reading on Saturday night. You say, I'm not a big reader. Look, get one verse. One verse in the Bible. 
Just one. Read that verse. Think about that verse. Pray about that verse. Just kind of let your mind run on that for a little while. Just, just one verse if that's all you can do. But do that and, and, and kind of end your day thinking along those lines. It will make a difference. So rest, read a little bit, and then make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready. Um, right now, the way things work, I bring a lot of this stuff with me on Sunday morning. It, and those of you who have helped me pack it, pack it up, you know it fills the trunk up, right? Fills the trunk completely, fills the back seat. It's just, it fills everything up. So I pack like 90% of that on Saturday. I don't wait till Sunday morning. I got other stuff to do on Sunday morning. Okay, so I go ahead and get it ready. I go ahead and pack it up. I'm going to guess, you ladies that bring all this and this stuff, you know, maybe some of it has to be done on Sunday morning, but most of it you can get ready on Saturday night. Makes a difference. If you're doing children's church, I mean, I talk to Barbara sometimes. She's doing children's church on Thursday. And certainly by Saturday, you know, getting it all ready because it's going to happen on Sunday. It's, it's a little bit too late to try to get it ready, get it ready on Sunday morning. So whatever your responsibilities are, whatever thing you're doing, just, just make sure you got all that ready to go. When, when our kids were little, we used to lay their clothes out on Saturday night. Now, sometimes they would make them disappear. Like you lay their clothes out and you think they're in bed and you come back to check on them 30 minutes and they're, you know, where'd the clothes go? <laughs> That's why they would do it. But we'd lay all that stuff out. We'd get all that ready because it made Sunday morning go so much better. Good. I'm just telling you something very practical. If you want to make a difference, if you want it to be better for you when you show up to meet, just, just do those things and be ready for Sunday morning. It changes how you do it. All right, let me do this. Number six. All right, you ready? Is it up there? Gatherings are for good, not gossip. I'll just walk away from that, shouldn't I? When we gather together as the people of Christ, we're supposed to do that for good. Gossip is not supposed to be part of it. It's for good. Now, I need to clarify about gossip because a lot of people, are, they misunderstand what gossip really is. Okay, If you're telling something that's not true, that's not gossip, it's a what? It's a lie. It's not gossip. It, it, it's got to be true to be gossip. Otherwise, it's a lie. And we don't want you to lie. Okay, But, but if you know something that's true, and number one, it's not yours to share. Number two, it's not going to help if you share it. Or number three, it's going to hurt people if you share it. Keep it to yourself. Especially when we gather together as a church. Now, is there a time to share information that might be considered gossip? I'm just going to go with maybe. Depends on what we're talking about. I'm going with maybe. There is a time when information needs to be shared. Okay, I'm not going to label that as gossip. Sometimes you, you've got information, you know it, it's true, and somebody needs to know. But you do not need to show up here at 1030 and start telling people. These meetings are for good. They're for worship. They're, they're to encourage people and help people and listen to people and pray for people and do all those good things. They're not for gossip in any way. So if you've got something that might be considered gossip, just... It's like uh, some movie line I heard. This is a good time to keep it to yourself. That's how it works with gossip. So again, gatherings are for good. They're not for gossip. And let me do the last one. Most important one in the list is that Jesus is the reason for everything we do. So let me say that again. Jesus is the reason for everything we do. Why is it important 
that you get up and get here on Sunday morning? Why is it important? Everybody answers that their own way, right? Why is it important for you to get up, put forth the effort, and get here? Nobody made you come to this. Nobody's paying you to be here. Why is it important? The short answer, the starting answer is this, because He's worth it. He's worth it. He has done for you what no one else could ever do. He's done that for you. We were talking Wednesday night. Students were here. We were doing a little question and answer time. And, um, and, and it came up about Jesus' death. And I asked the question, why did Jesus have to die? And some guy, I don't know his name, he was just sitting over this way. He said, I know this. I got the answer. All right, go. And he gave the right answer. He had to die because of my sins. I'm like, yes. Got that right. So if you've never heard this before, let me just put this before you. There are things that you do that are wrong before God. We're all guilty of it. We've all done wrong. Okay. According to the Bible, sin is so bad that we should die for it. And, you're, and if you've never heard that before and you're thinking I'm strange, I'm just telling you that's the Christian tradition. It's been going on for thousands of years. I'm not making this up today. There's a thing called sin. It really is so bad that it requires death. So if you do something against the will and way of God, you should die for it. And as bad as that sounds, don't stay there. Just put a little comma, and then let's go forward. What Jesus did was he said, okay, you deserve to die. How about I take your place? How about I do it for you? You should die for your sin, but I'm going to do it. I'll swap with you. I'll die, and you live. Sound like a good deal? That's why they call it good news. That's why it's the gospel. He took my place. The things I did, the things I should die for, Jesus said, I'll do it myself. And he did it 2,000 years ago, long before I was ever born. He died for my sin. When I wake up on Sunday morning, he's worth it. He's worth it. And, and it's not just that when you look back. It's when I look at the now. Look, I don't know what boat you're in, but my boat says, you know, I got it good. And I know I do. I've been so blessed. Y'all know my wife, right? She's great. God blessed me with this woman. Blessed me. And has done so over and over and over again through her. And, and you know, we have children. We have grandchildren. I mean, I just, I look around at my life and I'm like, I know God has blessed me. When I wake up on Sunday morning, He's worth it. Because I wouldn't have any of it without Him. So it doesn't matter if I look back. It doesn't matter if I look at today. I can even look into the future. Because where am I going? Um, have I ever said this to you? I'm never going to die. Have I ever told you that? I'm never going to die. Never going to die. I will perhaps expire. Like my body will quit working. I'll stop breathing. My heart won't beat anymore. My brain won't have those waves they can measure anymore. They'll take my body and they'll you know, put it in the ground somewhere and, and they'll have a service for me and then everybody will go eat potato salad ribs and when it's all over. I mean, that's what I'm going to expire. But I'm telling you, I will never die. I can't die. Jesus Christ sent His Spirit to me and caused me to live. So I'm alive in body, I'm alive in mind, and I'm alive in spirit. And the body may stop and the mind may quit, but the spirit in me that's been redeemed by Him will never, ever die. 
It was dead, but it's alive now and it never dies. So I may leave this body, but if I do, I go to wherever He is. We call that heaven. One day, don't let me weird you out if you're new to this, but one day, Jesus comes back. What the Bible describes is, it sounds like a trumpet. And what the Bible says is, the dead in Christ rise first. Yeah, that's going to be me. I want the whole deal. Like, I want to be part of that. I want to live this life. I want to have it all good. You know, do all the things I'm supposed to do. Whatever happens, my body expires. They put me in the ground. My spirit goes to heaven. I don't know how much time passes down here on earth, but eventually a trumpet sounds. I come back with Jesus. My body comes out of the ground. The two get reunited. It's a resurrected body. It's nicer than the model I have now. <laughs> like, this one gets sick. This one wears out. This one has pain. This one can expire. New model, all that's covered. It's all under warranty. And I will live and live and live. So if I'm thinking about the past, or I'm thinking about the present, or I'm thinking about the future, when I get up on Sunday morning, He's worth it. He's worth it. Let me give you one more. You're worth it. You're worth it. I never loved a group of people like I love this church. Thought I did. You know, I think I loved every church I ever served. And then we got to this, you know. And I tell Michelle that all the time. So I just, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I've never loved a group of people like I love this group of people. And when I get up on Sunday morning, I think about you. And you're worth it. And I don't want to miss it. I may have to miss it. I may get sick one Sunday or need to be somewhere else. But I don't want to miss it. Because you are my faith family. So I put that in front of you today. Jesus is the reason for everything we do. Those are the house rules. Can you memorize them? There'll be a test next week. I'm kidding. No test next week. There's not actually a test. But those are the house rules. If you can take those seven things that no one sits alone, everyone's going to be welcomed, everyone's going to be prayed over, everyone's got something to do, everyone's going to show up prepared, all of our gatherings are for good and not for that gossip stuff, and, and ultimately we know that Jesus is the reason for everything we do. If we just do those seven things, can you see how the door is wide open? That's not Jesus outside knocking saying, hey guys, do you want me to come in? That's opening the door. He's here. He's with us. And that's how He changes the lives of people, including our own. That's how He does it. So let me get to my challenge. It's pretty simple. He stands at the door and knocks. Revelation 3.20. So for us, will we open the door daily in our own lives? And then two, will we Will we open that door weekly in the services that we have? That's what the house rules are about. It's a way to open up the door every week to the Lord Jesus Christ so He can work in our lives and change us. Now in just a moment, we're all going to stand together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I want to give you a few moments to just talk to God. And there are lots of people in this room and they know what that's about and they want to do that. If this is new for you, then I just say, look, just close your eyes and in your mind, just imagine you're talking to God. He hears you. He hears everything you say. He already knows all your thoughts anyway, so don't be afraid. Just talk to Him. This is, this is a few moments for you to talk to Him. And if you don't know what to say, that's okay. It's just like sometimes meeting someone for the first time. You don't know the words, but you don't have to know words. Just say hello. Talk to Him. He will take it from there. Let's stand together and I'll pray.
Father in heaven, you have been so good to us. You've blessed us. You love us. You've done everything, literally everything for us. And so I pray now in these next few moments that each person has a, a little while to just talk to you. And God, if anybody needs to come forward for prayer, I just pray that, um, that you'll help them to do that. And we pray that you'll draw us all closer to you because of it. We give you these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.